Hi, I'm Becky. And I'm Haley. And this is How to Not Get Killed. What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? Chilling. JC, JC. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that? Remember? I do, yeah, I do. <laughs> just, just chilling, just chilling. JC, JC, that was my thing. I, yeah. Yeah. I think oh, that was yeah. everybody's thing. Of course. It, it wasn't just a Becky thing. <laughs> it wasn't just you? No. It wasn't, no. No. And then you would like put in your MSN like uh, description, like the initials of whoever you had a crush on. Oh, did you do that? Hell yeah, I did. I don't know if I was that bold. Oh, I was bold. I was bold AF. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm just not- thinking, I'm just... I, I just got like some sort of like panic of like thinking back to like me being 12 years old and being like, if I had done that, I would have been sitting at home like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Or, <laughs> or you'd like, t- like message the person you liked and be like, I like you. LOL, just kidding. Like my dog ran across the keyboard <laughs> or like, oh my God, LOL, I was like, so my friend, she took my keyboard. <laughs> remember? Oh yes. No. Yeah, definitely. I do remember those where it's like, oh yeah, I have a crush on you. Oh, sorry. That was so and so. They just like hopped on my MSN for a second. <laughs> oh my god they're bullying me (laughs) but Uh, i do remember when you would um like say who you were hanging out with yeah so it'd be like my name Haley, and then it'd be like with becky but and so so and then you would sign in and out 18 times so that everyone saw it and that knew you guys were hanging out and having the best (laughs) fucking time ever you'd bombard people's screen like a virus it's like i am here yeah i've arrived and if you do not message me immediately we're no longer friends yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, I, I that was me and Alyssa because like I've shown you obviously how closely we lived. Of course, of <laughs> this, course. We, our backyards touched. Like we, mm-hmm. you know. So she would come over every single day, and it would be like Becky with Alyssa, mm-hmm. and it was just like, yeah, we get it. Like you guys basically live in the same house. Like people would get like annoyed. You should maybe put it in your status when you're not together. Yeah, because the default is you're together. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we just like pretty much shared an account. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, let's freaking let's do this. We have a new patron. To welcome yes we do Woo! and love on and appreciate so thank you jay welcome hi jay we love you thanks for joining thank you you're special and we love you it only gets weirder from here it does it does <laughs> i promise yeah. it's a promise <laughs> yes we can that's a how to not get killed that. promise <laughs> <laughs> yeah so today we're covering the case of the cleveland kidnappings and the incredible survivals of Michelle Knight, Amanda Berry, and Gina DeJesus. Um, We had technically two patrons suggest a survival story, Mm -hmm. uh, Justin and Mike. So thank you guys. Yeah. Thanks. You guys wanted a survivor story, and that's what you're going to get. Yeah. You're actually going to get a few. Technically, they got a few. Well, well, I did one, and then you you're doing one now and yeah. you're also doing another one later which yes. you know we'll keep that, that a one secret, was su- but that one was supposed to be before this one i, I told you my delay my mm-hmm. delay was that my book's still not ready for pickup and i'm not going to just like tell you a case that i haven't like heavily researched well especially if you're like you already ordered the book well and that's so the if you did the case and then the yeah. book came after and you're reading it and you're like oh gosh like i, sh- I could have put this in there like you don't yeah wanna, and like I, you I, don't want to li- have to live with that kind of regret exactly I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. I wouldn't I either. I already don't, but it would be much worse. I already don't sleep. <laughs> yeah. So full disclosure, the happy ending <laughs> takes a long ass time to get there. So bear with us. It's it's rough as hell before we get to the nice, happy ending of these three women surviving 
unimaginable torture. Like, mm-hmm. it, it gets bad. At least you can listen knowing that they survived. But sometimes that's hard. Sometimes I hear survivor stories and I'm like, oh, you lived through this? Yeah. Wow, that's hard. Yeah. You know? So I don't want to say is, it makes it is, easier to listen to. It doesn't. It's it doesn't. Just, it's just a, at least you know that they, it, they For live. me, it, it makes yeah. it, like, harder. Harder? It, it makes it harder because I, I have, like, I don't know why it's a fear, mm. but I have a fear of, like, if any of the survivors ever of any story we ever tell, like, listen to this, like, of us being, like, the reason why they're, like, brought back to that place or, like, triggered in any way. Or, oh, yeah. I understand you know, what you like, mean. I don't know. That's why, like, I always, like, almost try to avoid survivor stories, even though, like, yeah. they're so important to tell, especially, like, in this case, like, the three women that come out of this and, like, live mm-hmm. to tell their tale. These are women not to be fucking trifled with. Like, oh, yeah. I, I, I just, mean, like, the, holy well, shit. We want to the tell strength. these stories. Obviously, they've been requested for good reason because I think everybody, especially in true crime, we like to hear survivor stories because we hear so many, you know, about people who don't. Yeah. And, like we've always said, it doesn't mean that they they didn't fight for their lives. Yeah. It's just, I think, let's put it this way. I think me having so much investment in true crime, is it, does it surprise anyone that I probably think about what would happen if I ever got kidnapped or like a murderer mm-hmm. attacked me or something like that? Like yeah. we all think about trying to find ways out of that. Yeah. Right. So I think when we hear survivor stories, we're like someone, someone did get out of that, you know, yeah. like there is Oh, hope, and their escape is right? like, Wow. Mm-hmm. it's no i haven't heard it yet but i'm okay. i'm sure it Fucking i'm sure it is put your <laughs> put your goddamn seatbelt on and strap in because yeah yeah so i think that's that's why we like to hear these stories because you know it's it's a bit of a better ending yeah than, than a lot of the endings we get in true crime yeah i find the ending is always obviously better with mm-hmm. survival stories mm-hmm. obviously yeah but i find just with like listening to them the middles are harder yeah they oh yes i, I <laughs> like totally, that's what i mean yeah. by like yeah. I, it's just yeah i don't know yeah. so that's just me that's where we stand on that i get but. that and i know i know you just like you and me as well we just want to do them justice that's the thing is like that's, and so i get that pressure when you're like these people are still alive yeah so yeah um i think or they were i don't know how long ago this happened oh actually. no they're still alive oh, okay and, and well yeah this mm-hmm. is this is actually like relatively recent okay relatively because mm-hmm. i had i know absolutely nothing about this okay Okay. I thought for some reason you did know a little bit. Oh, man. Mm. Pressure's mm. really on now. Shit. Okay. Um, no, it's off because I have no idea. <laughs> I think two of them, uh, if I'm not mistaken, all of them have written a book about their experience, but I'm not certain if it's all three of them or just two, Michelle and Amanda. Are they separate books or are they have they written separate. together? Michelle okay. has her own book and it's extremely detailed. I haven't read it myself. I will still link it because her story told from her words, I like the reviews I've read of her book is just like insane i just couldn't get it here in time in order Mm -hmm. to have the case ready but so i used another book to research for this case but i've like found excerpts from it i can never say that word excerpts yeah x i can't say it you said it oh okay okay i always worry because i it's one of those words where i'm like i don't know am i saying it right because it sounds very close to experts yeah and i want to say experts instead of excerpts "Eh." but anyway so her her book is like incredibly detailed i've heard other podcast hosts like talk about her book and how like vivid she goes into everything and it's just it it ends on like a basically a beautiful note of her just like becoming like a better person from all of it of course yeah but that woman holy shit she's just like mind-blowing in everything she survived even outside of the kidnappings so i will give just like 
I don't normally do trigger warnings at the beginning of like a full episode, but we're going to do a content warning here because this one is heavy. It's cloaked in a lot of sexual assault and rape, extreme violence towards pregnant women. There's a dash of animal cruelty. I'm going to just obviously gloss right over that. And there's just like a lot of, a lot of assault in it. And okay. It's just, it's, it's heavy. Okay. So yeah, if those content warnings don't scare you off, we'll get into it. Also, this is for sure a two-parter. Obviously, I'm assuming you've seen the title already, but it also, I, I wrote that in before we for sure decided on it being three parts. It's a three-parter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fuck it. It's three parts. It's three parts. That was my note from prior. <laughs> it's three parts. It's going to be long. But that's so we can do better justice. Of course. Now I'm saying it to them, not to you. Oh, oh I was okay. making I direct you were, like, eye contact. D- like ju- but... justifying it to me. I'm like, well, don't justify it to me. No, I'm just... <laughs> I'm always a fan of multi-parters. I yeah. don't know. I just like, I think I like the detail. I like being I think, able to go more in detail. Yeah. And like we also have a bit more time to like discuss things when we're not trying to fit it into like an, an hour. hour to an hour and a half yeah. episode. So if we just spread yeah. it out and just kind of like it makes it easier on us. And I think we get to give the listeners more, more detail. More detail. And I always wonder because I, I actually don't think anyone's like for sure confirmed this or not with us. But like, do you guys like multi-parters? Yeah, I know. No one's <laughs> ever commented on that. No one's ever like, said they or liked bad. or disliked. And that's that's what I'm mm-hmm. saying. Good or bad. I don't. I don't know. You guys will comment on like each episode and be like, mm-hmm. oh, this was really good. And it's like part two or something. Mm-hmm. So like, tell us? <laughs> <laughs> Question mark? Well, yeah, either yeah. either or. Whether like you're like, yes, I love multi-parters. Keep doing them. Or like, uh, I, they're okay, but maybe could you do less of them or yeah. something like anything? Yeah. Because yeah. like, yeah. But also too, if you're like, no, never do it again. Like chances are you're not going to get your wish. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> but, but I mean, because we like them, but we just yeah. want to know how much do you like them? Exactly. If you like if them a to little the bit... point where it's like, that's the only thing we're doing now. Okay. We can restructure. <laughs> which we won't. Which I don't we think won't. we'll ever get to that point. <laughs> well, I like how you were like, well, which we won't. <laughs> I don't, I just don't know. Yeah. I haven't done very many multi-parters. I want to do more, but I don't think we'll ever get to a point where it's like, we're only doing multi-part episodes, no. you know? No, I, I don't foresee that happening <laughs> being the only thing, because again, like it's a lot of research. Yeah, like, I know. It's like particular cases that are huge. like, And it's usually the ones that we have read books on. Books? Yeah. Like multiple. if it's a book on like a singular case, yeah. then then that's usually the one because there's so much. Because someone has gone out and done all of this research. They've done their own like investigation. And spent so much time. So we want to do that book justice as well in, yeah. in you know, all of that. Hey, you guys get it. Whatever. Yeah, fuck it. They already, <laughs> they already understand. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's that. Pardon me, I got a bubble in my throat. This always happens like right at the beginning. Like <laughs> I get all like antsy and ugh, so. That's fine. My stomach, you know, is going to be screaming throughout this. <laughs> so, <laughs> literally screaming. We're waiting for Chinese food. So. Yeah. And my stomach just excited. before we started recording was like. <laughs> it, it actually sounded like Oscar. Like when he's like doing the Like he does this like noise where he's trying to get our attention. He's not quite growling. He's not quite like barking. He's just like like it's just like a a weird creepy <laughs> right. sound where it's just it's just loud enough to be like okay what do you want what do you want now <laughs> so that's what Haley's stomach did to me when it, i was trying to finish up my notes it was like okay we're ready we yeah. are ready <laughs> i apologize i'll try to, to okay. make sure she doesn't interrupt you but no drew will add the echo and it'll be like what do you want? oh that would be great actually <laughs> <laughs> that? i don't know that was your stomach <laughs> flapping like this with the sound waves <laughs> I'm also making, that hungry, so we've got to start making videos of you and all your hand motions. I think that's why we do need to do like video because 
Oh, yeah. Because I feel like I'll say things and people are probably like, wow, she that was bitchy what she said, but they don't see the hand gesture or the face that goes with it. Yeah. And it usually softens the blow a little bit. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. We're getting into it. Okay. We're getting I'm into ready. It. I'm nervous. Actually, a bit, but I'm ready. Yeah. You're nervous. I'm sweating already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is, this is a heavy one. Okay. So first, I'm going to cover a bit of background on the piece of literal flaming poo that is Ariel Castro. Okay. Before jumping into what actually matters, which is the women who survived this horrifying, torturous experience. We're just going to talk about him a little bit. And by a little bit, I mean a lot. And then after that, I like don't even want to talk about him anymore. I just want to talk about their experience. I understand. So, because fuck them. <laughs> fuck them. Okay. So, Ariel Castro was born in, I don't know how to say this, Douay, D-U-E-Y, a village of Puerto Rico. Yeah. I feel like Douay. I feel like I did that, that one better than, um, oh, no, I can't even say it anymore. Pueblo? Pueblo. <laughs> Haley, it's Pueblo. <laughs> no, Douay sounds like Douay. We're going to say Correct for that spelling? Uh, if anybody is Puerto Rican, please correct me. On July 10th, 1960, that's his birthday. Um, he was the third child of Pedro Castro and Lillian Rodriguez. In 1962, Lillian had actually discovered that Pedro, her husband, was married to a second woman, like a separate oh. secret marriage. Oh, okay. With whom he had four other children. Oh. Yes. Um, he actually had then abandoned Lillian to live with this other family. Aww. Lillian was actually pregnant with their fourth kid together when she found this out. Wow. That's rough. That's, that's that's upsetting yeah so i i don't really know how long ariel was like in contacts with his father mm -hmm. like i couldn't really find that out like i don't know how much influence his father had on him or how much right. time he personally spent with him it didn't sound like a lot mm -hmm. so shortly after the split um lillian had actually moved to uh work in pennsylvania and left her kids so the four of them ariel his new younger sibling and his two older siblings in Puerto Rico, in her mother's care, so the kid's uh, maternal grandmother. This is also going to be a hard name to pronounce for me. So again, if there's anybody that we know that's listening that's Puerto Rican, please correct me on this, and I will correct it for the next parts or whenever. Hercilia Carabello. I hope I said that right. Okay. She doesn't so, come up too much. It's a lovely name. It is, yeah. When I read it, I was like, "That's." I know it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Let's just see if I can make it sound beautiful. It sounded beautiful. Yeah. They, like, Puerto Ricans have such nice names. Uh -huh. <laughs> like, it's really cool. So, okay. Then around five years old, um, Ariel was, trigger warning, was repeatedly sexually assaulted rectally by a nine-year-old boy nicknamed Pucho. Um, he never reported the abuse, and he had apparently, from this, developed an obsession with sex and a compulsion to masturbate from a young age. So when he was five, he's being assaulted by someone who's nine years old. Um, oh, gosh. Like, frequently. That's... That's not something oh. any five-year-old should be going through. That's terrible. Also, that nine-year-old, I'm very concerned About why that why. was happening. Yeah. It, just very concerning on like all ends of the all spectrum of it, all of it yeah 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 and if anyone's like into the like freudian stages like i mean that would do a lot to your like anal phase which does happen when you're like an infant but mm -hmm. like when you are five it could revert you back to the anal phase yes yeah yeah and 
it can cause some obsessions with stuff like that. So mm-hmm. Lillian had returned to her children in 1966. Um, but according to Ariel, she was abusive and would like insult him and hit him daily with a belt stick or just her open hand. Um, and then after that, Castro's family had immigrated to the U S and they settled in Cleveland together in about 1970. Um, this was after a visit from Ariel's like paternal uncle, Ceci, who he opened a record shop in 1969. He had like come back, visited, and I don't know, just they were like, yeah, come to Cleveland. That's where it, there, that's where it's fucking at, bro. Ceci had given Castro um, a guitar and he like started to get really, really into music because he had like a record shop and whatnot. And Ariel goes on to become like a bass player in a few bands. Okay. Um, along with like other second jobs. They said he was a professional bass player in everything that I had read. I don't know what that like I'm uh, Drew, I might need you to like chime in here on this one. I, I don't know what that meant by like professional. Literally, like you just can use do- the word professional if you've been paid for something. Okay. So it might mean okay. that he was in a few bands that got paid for some gigs. You could technically call yourself a professional. Okay. Bass so then I think yeah. that was the case. Yeah. Because even with the documentary I watched, like they did have like regular gigs. Like I know, I know Drew deems mm-hmm. himself to be a professional, but like he also mm-hmm. has like a music degree and yeah. knows his shit. So like, I wasn't sure if it was just like, oh, no, Ariel I would definitely Castro's say a professional. And he's I would definitely some, say Drew is a professional, a good professional musician. So if you guys are looking for a musician for hire, I mean, <laughs> did you hear that? <laughs> Drew's probably like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so he did have other second jobs, which one of those other jobs I'm probably going to talk more about in part two because it's a creepy one. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. So in 1980, I'm so curious. What is a creepy job? I mean, I guess there's a few creepy jobs you could have. Ah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay, think of someone who sexually assaults people, young people. What job would you not want this person to have? Like a teacher? Pretty much anything that involves children. Well, yeah. I'm, like, I'm just thinking, I'm like, oh my God, there's so many things running in my so head. Many I'm jobs. Like, party clown, uh, nurse in a like, pediatric unit, and uh, well, the, I don't know, anything with kids. I'll, I'll, I'll narrow it down next episode. Okay. Stay tuned. That's how we'll keep them coming back for more. That's how that's you figured it I out. Figured it out. I figured it out. <laughs> I figured it out, guys. Oh, my God. We broke the system. Okay. In 1980, Ariel dated his 17-year-old neighbor. So he would have been like, I think, 20. Um, yeah, because he said he was born in 1960, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Nilda Figueroa. Nilda's a beautiful name. I like mm-hmm. that. Um, she was uh, – he, he was forced to take her into his care by her family after she lost her virginity to him. Um, I think she got, like, pregnant, like, almost immediately. Okay. So it was one of those things where it's like, okay, I got to take her now. Like, okay, you're together. Yeah. I don't know if it was just like gun yeah. to her head kind of thing, but everything I had read was like forced. So I, I don't know what the agreement was there, but. But it could just be their way of being like, well, you got her pregnant and like traditionally now, you would take care yeah. of her and your own like child, right? Yes. That's, so. that's what I assumed. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, when Nilda gave birth to their first child in 1981, um, Ariel's behavior changed radically and he became like controlling and abusive. Um, he would force her to stay at home and he would pre-select the places she could shop in and even the programs that she could watch on TV. Um, he would beat her whenever she strayed from his instructions. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Pretty fucking violent. Yeah. And she's 17 and he's 20. Yeah. Like 
that's really young. That's mm-hmm. really young to be like already in like such an abusive state. Mm-hmm. Even like 20 for him. It's like. Yeah. He, yeah. He's still really young. Like yeah. that's the thing. Like, And, and the thing wow. is, is like prior to this, there wasn't a whole lot of like notes I could find in his upbringing from like the altercations with the nine-year-old boy and his mother being abusive to him that Mm -hmm. like would necessitate him necessarily becoming an abuser Mm -hmm. just yeah i don't know it was it's interesting to me the path he went on um where was i the violence had continued to like escalate over time um Ariel often would break Nilda's bones and would only allow her to go to a hospital after she swore she wouldn't report him to the police. That's, it's just fucking awful. Like what this woman went through is just, she's also a survivor. Of course. Yeah. And it gets a little bit worse for her first before the split. So in 1989, um, Ariel had beat Nilda in front of his brother and he was arrested, but he was released after she refused to press charges. Mm. So that happened pretty quickly. I, I'm just going through mm-hmm. that one quick just because like there, he has like a few like records on his account of like yeah. abuse and he, he should have been more of a red flag when they were searching in my opinion, but we'll get there. In 1992, they moved to 2207 Seymour Drive in Cleveland with their four children. So they now had four altogether. Okay. Well, yeah, because they've been together since 1980, right? So, okay. Yeah. Um, After arriving, um, Ariel had quickly padlocked every door in the house, started working in the basement where he installed a heavy trap door and added curtains and layers of bricks to soundproof it. No rhyme or reason at the time. Okay. Once finished, he forbid everyone else from entering the basement. Later, he then tinted all of the windows and had forbid Nilda to use the phone. He had began to lock up his family in the house whenever he'd go away for gigs with his band, which sometimes lasted for days. So it would be like, you guys aren't allowed to leave. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The children were really young at this point. I didn't get their exact ages and names, um, but yes. Nilda had become pregnant a fifth time. Okay. Trigger warning, this is going to get rough in a few seconds. Um, And Ariel didn't want more children. Unsuccessfully, he tried to induce a miscarriage by punching and kicking her in the belly. Oh, my gosh. If that makes you upset, the entire rest of this case is going to make you want to vom all over the place. Well, yeah, but I mean, that's so... That's so, like, visceral. It's I mean, so violating. Like, oh. I, th- that's just. I've never been pregnant. I just can't. But I can only attempt to imagine the that t- feeling of it, knowing that, like, there's a life. human being inside yeah. of you and someone is trying to and like murder just it. watching it happen to it's, would it's be, still attached to, you know what i'm saying it's, it's inside of you it's, it's not like someone rips your baby out of your hands like it's still inside of you yeah. that would be so violating it's yeah that's no no person should ever go through that like that's yeah yeah wow um yeah in october 1993 ariel had continuing on on this train a path here he had thrown nilda down a flight of stairs and she broke her skull 
I think this was still an attempt to terminate the pregnancy. Wow. Yeah. Um, so she had broke her skull. A few weeks later, she began to have seizures and was diagnosed with a blood clot in her brain that had hardened into a, I feel like this was spelt wrong when I found it, but a malign tumor. Is that correct? Malign? I think it's supposed to be malignant. No, but I think malign might mean something else. Okay. I didn't look too deep into I I'm it. Not, I could, I could I'll, I'll correct myself. I'm going to double check that after yeah. I just forgot to come back. It was one of my highlighted things that I didn't come back to. <laughs> so then on December 26th, um, Ariel had come home drunk and attacked Nilba again. She's already had like a brain injury because of this man. Well, yeah, like her. Yeah, like he he's caused a brain, in, like a permanent. A permanent brain injury yes, that's gonna that affect her for the her, rest of her life yeah um his 12 year old son at the time um ariel jr had seen this happen and ran out to get help and because he ran out ariel senior um had ran after him to be like no like obviously don't fucking involve people in this so when they both ran out of the house nilda took this as like an opportunity to lock him outside and call the police wow which good yeah. the officers came found him pounding on the front door and arrested him nilda was called to testify before a grand jury in february 1994 but um castro having been released on a twenty-five thousand dollar bail just got to her moments before she could get into the building threatened to kill her and the children if she said anything she, she was obviously terrified yeah obviously terrified so nilda declared that the attack had never happened and the charges were immediately dropped yeah how is there no i just i I, know it's hard but it's it's just like if someone presses charges and then right before you're supposed to testify first of all how the did he get to her how did somebody let that happen? No, that's exactly that's, uh, that's just irresponsible. So, that's so infuriating to me. If someone is is pressing charge, like if they, there's a domestic violence charge, mm-hmm. they should not be allowed to have any contact. No, especially the aggressor. Whether it's even like proven true or not, yet they no should contact. just be yeah separate. And and also like right before, and then she just decides to change her story. And, like, and how, how obvious often, is that? And how often do we hear about this in, like, abuse situations where it's, like, the abused will come forward. It takes them all of their courage to do that. They come forward, and then something happens secretly behind doors, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, no, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Well, it's because they come forward and no one protects them. Yeah. It's Literally, just, there's nothing in place to protect them. Yeah. It's it's just like even a restraining order is just a piece of paper. Like it doesn't matter. Well, that's matter. all it is. Like no yeah. one enforces a restraining order until it's been breached. That's a fucking problem. Yeah. Like you have to literally breach a restraining order before the enforcement can happen. I think that's just like ass backwards. It should be like, okay, restraining order, you're moving. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. You literally need to make proof that you're in a different fucking country and get the hell out like it just you know what i mean I it should it's just, just be like you don't get to should be, be a better way there needs to be something better i obviously don't have <laughs> i don't have the answers I don't guys have but the answers. i i know i i'm just we're obviously just very frustrated yeah 
Yeah. I mean, everybody, I everybody knows someone who's been in an abusive situation moment. like yeah. this. And it's just like, it is frustrating to hear because it's like, okay, and you can literally pinpoint the spot of where intervention could have happened. And that person could have been saved from one attack or saved from mm -hmm. years of multiple attacks after that. Like, it's mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. eh, angry, yeah. angry. So Nilda then moved to her mother's home with the children and, um, Castro had cut almost all contact with them. He spent his time further fortifying the house using materials stolen from a next door neighbor after threatening the neighbor with a shovel. I think he got a warning for that one, but I couldn't find too much court details around that, but he did threaten a neighbor with a shovel. Oh he's not gosh. like, I mean, he's not off to a great start, guys. No. 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 Like, no. <laughs> just, no. So many. He's just leaving a trail of. Uh, yeah. Just. And see, the, the only reason why I wanted to go into his story a little bit is just like the other podcasts that I have heard cover this story often leave a lot of this out. They do talk about like mm -hmm. only the kidnappings, which going forward after his story, that is like what we're covering. Mm -hmm. But. There's just, like, so many red flags that, like, mm -hmm. happened where it's, mm -hmm. like, okay, intervention. We could have stopped there. We could have stopped there. Like, we could have stopped this. But, yeah. So, later, um, Ariel had begun installing multiple security alarms and strategically placed mirrors all over the house until he was sure that nothing could happen in the house without him seeing it. At this point, no one really, like, explains why he was doing that stuff like no one was like oh yeah he was doing this for this purpose it was just like he's just being creepy and fucking weird super paranoid like <laughs> i mean i don't know it kind of makes like it makes sense in a way i guess if he's like such a violent and aggressive person yeah it's kind of like when people are like when the common thing where people are like oh if someone's cheating they get nervous that the other person's cheat like they start yeah. accusing the like other projecting. person so it's like yeah, yeah projecting so yeah. he's like aggressive and violent towards people so maybe he was like people are going to come back and be aggressive and violent towards me exactly so I'm, I'm paranoid about that yeah that's the only thing i can think of as an explanation it but becomes more obvious to us shortly why he was doing this but like okay. at this time like no friends and family of his didn't know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um while Nilda was in the hospital getting um, brain surgery finally to, like, aid with her tumor, um, oh, thanks to Ariel, <laughs> right? Like, fucking piece of shit. Was just gonna, I was like, like, it was just about to come out of my mouth, piece of shit. Piece of fucking shit. <laughs> like, I mean. She, There's no other way to describe someone like that. I don't he, is, he is the tumor of the world. <laughs> yes. Fuck him. Yeah. Fuck that pile of shit. Okay, so. Nilda had met someone there and actually started dating a security guard uh, from the hospital. His mm. name is Fernando. I've heard other podcasters pronounce the name very differently. One said Cologne and others say colon. I don't know which one it is. I'm going to say Cologne. It's, there, it's spelt like colon. Oh, okay. So I'm going to say Cologne. Like I. Okay. Yeah. No, I think that, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm not sure. The pronunciation, but okay. I've just heard it be pronounced multiple ways, but also from people that might not know how to pronounce a Puerto Rican last name. But yeah, I would say colon would probably be like not be the correct. whitest way to <laughs> pronounce colon. It. Yeah, I'm not here to make fun of this guy because this guy's 
this guy's okay in my books. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. I mean, if I'm it, hope, I'm hoping so. God, for her I, sake, I I'm hoping so. It, you know what? From all accounts that I was able to find, it seemed like a reasonable relationship for her. So good. Sounds like it couldn't be any worse than her. He'll come back later, but it's just not necessarily in a bad way for him and Nilda. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Ariel had learned of their relationship like the year after um, when one of his daughters called from Fernando's home and he was fucking pissed. I'm sure he was. Um, He called Fernando claiming that Nilda was his wife and that he had stolen her from him. Um, No, you literally pushed her down a flight of stairs and gave her a tumor Mm -hmm. and she left you. Yes. Big difference. Later on. Ariel had seen himself, uh, Fernando, taking his children to school and attempted to run him over with his car. As one does. As one does. That is normal end of sane mind. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But Fernando managed to dodge him. Uh, He filed charges against Castro like right away, but they were dropped due to a lack of evidence. (laughs) I mean... I mean, do you have evidence that he didn't do it? I know. Like, <laughs> I just, <laughs> like, uh, who walks into a police station just like, this dude just tried to run me over? You like, know what? I feel like. <laughs> I, I understand that there are people out there that just lie. I get that. I get it. But I get it. I don't know. I don't know Fernando well. He just doesn't seem like that kind of guy to me. I don't personally know Fernando. <laughs> I don't know but him. I also, too, I like, I feel like, okay, if, let's say, Fernando's walking into the police department, I'm the detective, and he's like, hey, Ariel Castro just tried to run me over with his car. I might be like, hold on, let me just search that name up real quick. Oh, yes. okay. Several accounts of abuse to his ex-wife, who you're now dating. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna believe your yeah. fucking story. His record indicates that he's a rage monster. Yeah, yeah that checks out. Yeah. Like- um, his record here shows that he's a pustule of disgustation. Yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna fucking go with that. That's my new words, by the way. I was gonna be like, where the hell did that come? I didn't from? even write that down. That was all just. Oh, good for you. Yeah, I know. You have like a word of the day calendar in my head. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So then in 1997, um, Nilda was given full custody of the children. Thank God. Good. And um, for a short while, he wasn't like allowed to see the kids, but he did still see some of his kids later on here and there. Two of his children actually play a bit of a role in the kidnappings, not intentionally. That needs to be like said because. Oh, okay. Yeah. But indirectly, they kind of. I'm. They're involved. Their okay. names are at least involved. Okay. Yeah. So now in May of 2000, um, Ariel was set up on a blind date by one of his musician friends. That's lovely. Um, Poor I'd girl. like. <laughs> oh, just it gets so good. Uh. I promise you it gets so good. I'd like to have a real stern talking to with this friend. <laughs> mm-hmm. I tried finding this friend's name. But um, the girl, and I say girl here, not woman, that Ariel was set up with, was 16-year-old Lillian Rolden. So if you're doing the math correct, yes, 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 I saw your face move. What year did you say this was? 2000. You go ahead and do that math. So he's 40. Yes. And he was set up with a 16-year-old. Uh-huh. Yeah, you did the math correctly. I wrote it down because I wasn't sure if you'd catch on super quick. That should be illegal. That should be illegal to set your friend up on a blind date with a child. That's why I'm saying I'd like to have a stern talking to with this person because 
that's fucking illegal. That's basically like soliciting a child. That's that's yes. child trafficking. I'm just going to I'm going to go out there and it, it, say but it, it. No, but it basically is. It's and, child trafficking. And also like why would you set any person even if they were of legal age? Why would you set up any person with this fucking idiot? And like if he's your friend, there's no way. I don't care if he never abused his wife in front of you or whatever there is no way you are friends with someone like that and don't at least have an inkling of what's inside of them the the anger and the possibilities and the potential of them hurting that person <laughs> you should see becky's hands right now our, They're very our, high up. our hands are just like literally because i'm up giving in the up air. um <laughs> yeah i i have no just, words it gets good i have no words it it gets good for Lillian. Okay. They claimed it was love at first sight. She was very attracted to him. They immediately hit it off and began dating steadily because that's a healthy relationship. Again, a 40-year-old and a 16-year-old. Mm -hmm. Anyways, Castro even asked her to marry him. But Lillian apparently didn't believe in marriage and, and just wanted to, like, continue on with the way things were between them. Like, I guess it just, like, wasn't a belief of hers. Um, so Ariel did still want to get her, like, some kind of, like, expression of love like an agreement right like not necessarily a marriage but okay just a sign of their love so he did get her a ring i think it was like a ruby of some sort that she said was her favorite um but they never fam formally got married hey, hey because thank fucking god for that because that would have been illegal had they tried to walk in and get married she's 16 and he's 40 that's statutory rape yeah in all countries no i don't I know don't, i don't know <laughs> but I, like I, I, I'm pretty sure some fucking minister would be like, um, excuse me, I have some questions, sir, because you're a sir, you're an old man, <laughs> and she's a baby. So, yeah. 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 Cringe fucking city. That's, yeah, yuck. Yeah. <laughs> There's no, no better way to say that. That's yuck. <laughs> Yes. It's just I this is nervous laughing just so everyone Yeah, she's knows. not No, I like she's like actually nervous laughing and it's not going to stop now for like I'm 10 minutes. My mind. She's sweating the like sweaters I have coming a tumor off. Now. <laughs> like I have a tumor now. Yeah. See, Ariel just gives people tumors just from even talking about them. Like Yeah. It's just not cool. It's fucking piece of shit. Anyways, so Lillian had actually come in contact a few times with Nilda, like whenever they would go and pick up Ariel's daughters for the day or or whatever along those lines, who I, I'm not even like sure if I've done the math right, but they're probably like about the same age. Wait, Nilda and Lillian? L Lillian and some of Ar Ariel's kids. Oh, okay. I was like, there's no way. <laughs> no, no, no. No. Okay. No. <laughs> no i no Haley's brain's broken now <laughs> sorry um yes they're they're kids well because their first child was born in 81 mm -hmm. and this is 2000 so no his oldest child would be older than lillian yeah i think some of his younger kids would be would like, be about the same age closer but, in age to yes yeah. yes but but yes he would have at least a child possibly two that are older than oh yeah his current girlfriend yeah i i didn't even write down the ages of bizarre. his kids just because i didn't want to get too deep into them no but. fair enough yeah so yeah anyways like they have some contact here and there whenever they'd like pass off kids and stuff because you know a 16 year old should be watching children you know <laughs> like a mom i mean i guess so but like 
she probably didn't have to watch the older ones. Well, like, <laughs> I mean, they're older than she I is. I know, but like, just hey, like 60 year old, you want to babysit this 20 year old? The thought was <laughs> just like, <laughs> yeah. very questionable. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, she claims to have like heard rumors about the beatings from Castro to Nilda, but claims she couldn't believe it. I never saw that side of Ariel. He's such a mellow person. So I thought she was just making it up. Mm-hmm. The girl has had brain surgery. Yeah. Due to abuse from him, don't think she's making it up. Yeah. I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say she's not making it up. No. I know I know that's quite the stretch to take, but... But unfortunately, even <laughs> sometimes, even women don't believe other women. Like, it, it's, it's true. the way that it goes, you know? It and, sucks. And but... when you're with someone who is as, like, m- mentally controlling as Ariel, yeah, you wouldn't believe You wouldn't. No. You wouldn't. There's no way. I'm not surprised she didn't believe her. No. So Lillian would later go on to tell police that Ariel was a perfect gentleman to her, that their, and I'm going to throw up, uh, that their sex life was completely normal. Um, no, it's not. You're, you're 16 and he's 40. And nothing about that's normal. No, that's that's rape. Um, and uh, Ariel loved the fact that her and his mother had the same name. Ariel had put Lillian, like the girlfriend, on apparently an extremely high pedestal. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's that's Ariel's background. Okay. Up until current times. Um, where Where I leave off with him is... About the time that he's, like, dating Lillian, I think there's, like, a little bit of a split there for a bit. I, I couldn't find out if they broke up for sure or if it just, like, fizzled. I don't know. But she doesn't really get mentioned much later. So that's why I was, like, oh, okay. unsure if their relationship If they were continued. still together throughout all of this or yeah. it was just... It was foggy for me to find. Like, I... Weird. Okay. Um, but anyways, he had apparently, like, around the same time... Um, this is when his like extreme obsession with like bdsm had kind of like heightened and he was according to like everything i could find this is when he started making plans to kidnap a young girl and keep her as a sex slave Mm -hmm. and that's why he was preparing the house in such a manner right but that didn't get shared until later but this is in his confessions he's saying like that was the time when i had started my plans yes so now let's get into Michelle Knight's upbringing. Okay. Which is fucking rough. Like, I, I yeah, I, I like don't even have words. I, I have them written here, but like I can't even. I like, know, I know. It, like what she has gone through prior to the kidnapping makes her a fucking survivor. But then to throw her into what happens, I don't even know. I, I, it her story is the story that makes me feel like a fucking moron when I have days where I'm like, my life sucks. Mm -hmm. Cause it's just like, you think of someone like Michelle Knight and you're just like, wow. Like Mm -hmm. the shit she has gone through is just mind fucking blowing. Um, so Michelle was born on April 23rd, 1981. Hey, April 23rd is tomorrow. It is. Yeah. I just looked, well, happy early birthday, Michelle. It won't be releasing on her birthday, obviously. I guess not. But... I guess it'll be later. But, but that's kind of cool. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. So Michelle's home life was not great. Not great at all. She grew up in extreme poverty and often just didn't have a home altogether. Um, she had two younger twin brothers, Eddie and Freddie. <laughs> 
Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm I'm so serious. <laughs> Eddie and Freddie. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. No. <laughs> I know. It's one of those things where like you can't even say it like seriously. Like it's just it's fine. It it's, rhymes. It's just it's, it's one fun. of those things where like it's fine, but also it's you're fine. like, oh, okay, you did that. <laughs> Michelle's mom from everything I read wasn't the best of people. Right. I I have my opinions. I'm. It, this isn't about her. Well, that, maybe that's another, another time, another time. Maybe a bonus mm-hmm. episode. But mm-hmm. so there was actually a period in time, just over a year long. Um, I couldn't get the exact age. Um, but she was quite young for this. Uh, where Michelle actually lived in the back of a caravan with her mother, father, a cousin, and her two twin brothers. A caravan. So just like a, a van. Wow, that's tight. They often didn't have access to showering or teeth brushing or even food. Mm. Um, From a super, super young age, Michelle was caring for her brothers like her own, um, making sure that they they managed to find somewhere to shower and brush their teeth. She and she even says like throughout interviews and stuff that she would make sure that um, she would make sure they'd get extra clean because she wasn't sure when the next time they'd be able to like wash and take right. care of themselves because she like understood the importance of like hygiene you have to like take care of yourself you know like mm-hmm. she she goes on to be like the hero of this story and just like how much she cares for like everybody that enters the home after her so it's just she's incredible i don't understand where this woman gets her strength from but like we mm-hmm. gotta fucking bottle that and sell it because yeah man <laughs> um yeah, I don't know when exactly, but they were able to eventually live, move in with like some family. I think it was like um, like an aunt and uncle. Um, around that time, Michelle was like roughly five years old and that they lived with this side of the family. Um, I won't go into like details about names and whatnot for them because mm-hmm. this is Michelle. But um, from when she was about five years old until I think it was roughly 15 or 17, Michelle was raped repeatedly the entire time from five until – we can round up to 17 uh, by a male family member repeatedly. It's, I don't understand how this happens. All of this happens to one person. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's stories like hers that give me the most hope in humanity as well as the least hope in humanity. Because yes, because people did this to her. Multiple people. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, she was bullied relentlessly throughout school, like relentlessly. Um, she was, she is four foot seven. Like she's a very, very small person. She had a nickname of Shorty, obviously, because she's so petite. Um, she often got made fun of for her height, how poor she was, how often she would be smelly and unclean. Well, we also know now that malnourishment can stunt your growth so that's probably why she's so small yeah um all of those things are out of her control this is why bullying is like not fucking cool guys don't bully people but like you can't bully someone for being short and poor like it's just dude come on kids i know know. kids can be so mean sometimes and i know they don't know any better no of course and it's not like they're the ultimate villains of the story it's just like on top of everything there's mean kids at school that like just rip on her all the time are you fucking kidding me like i I wish it was one of those things where like at least school was like her safe place exactly but in this case had like a couple nice friends and a nice teacher and that could have been like something good in her life but yeah and then in the the one book that i did use which i will link in our show notes after if i remember this time i never remember 
but um, she made a comment. I can't remember the exact quote along the lines of my mother wanted to make sure I was dumber than a, and I can't remember what she compared it to, but she like tried to say like, you know, thanks to like her parents situation, like she didn't have a lot of options at a young age. Like she was incredibly street smart Mm -hmm. because she'd have to be like, she was able to like care for people that came into contact with her, but like she didn't get the schooling that everybody else did. She didn't get that head start. Yeah. So around, I think it was 15, Michelle had successfully ran away, which was actually like a great thing for her for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, for a while, she uh, slept in a garbage can under a highway overpass. Like she was so small, she could fit in it and hide in there. Mm-hmm. Um, she actually said at one point that that was like astronomically better than her home life, well, which is the saddest thing fucking thing ever yeah that's saying a lot but i mean she was happy at that time which is like okay at least she had like a little bit of peace away from like the sexual assault and bullying and everything and um she she started to find some solace in this nearby church i guess like one night she was like approached by this tall guy and she was like a little scared obviously she's like sleeping underneath a highway overpass and some guys coming up to her but it turned out to be a pastor um and he just like approached her and was just like you know what why don't you come on back to like our our group like you'll have some free meals occasional shelter like just come on back here um so she did and that was like some of the best times for her like she was fed and had somewhere to turn to had like a good little community going um and that that was that was good that was good. Okay. She shortly around this time too that she was going to the shelter and getting like a little bit of a roof over her head here and there. Um, she met someone named Sniper. <laughs> I know. Okay. <laughs> um, All right. It it sounds okay. So this this part of the story is going to sound questionable, <laughs> but she does claim that this is like the best part of her upbringing. Okay. So she met Sniper and he was like, "Why don't you come live with me?" You just need to do one thing for me. Be a drug runner. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. Fair enough. Honestly, he could have asked her for 10 million worse things. So I know. I don't know. Like, so it's one of those. Yeah. It's, so, it's not great. No, it's not great. But but she claimed that it was great. <laughs> okay. Because that's all she had to do. She was able to earn a little bit of money. She had a roof over her head. Yeah. Uh, apparently, Sniper. I don't know his real name. <laughs> and I didn't really care to look for it because like, <laughs> I mean his name's Sniper. That's cool enough. <laughs> dig into Sniper's <laughs> No, no, he'll be a bonus episode. <laughs> okay. Um, no, apparently Sniper really took care of her. Um, he moved in another person who quickly became like a brother to Michelle. His name's Roderick. Also a really cool name. Interesting name. Didn't yeah. find out his last name, but so the three of them had like lived together okay. with Sniper. In, in sniper's home okay um they were both drug runners for him but they apparently had a great relationship she claimed there was nothing sexual about it they didn't abuse her there was nothing forceful they were literally like her brothers which is nice that for a short while of time yeah she had her own like little makeshift family sounds astronomically better to right every other year of her life yeah so obviously as most drug rings go the cops had busted it Mm-hmm. So she had got sent back out onto the streets, got a little rough again, and she actually went back to the garbage can that she was staying in. And a neighbor of her like family home, um, like where like where she was staying with the abuse, mm-hmm. um, had found her and told her dad and sent her back. So she had to go back. Mm. Yeah. 
Oh, no. Um, when she had came back, the abuser had said, you really thought you could get away from me, huh? And she really did think she could get away from him. Like, she tried, and she did successfully, but it's just like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Why is she, I wish she didn't get... I, I wish that drug ring just didn't get busted. I know, and it's like not every day that you're like, I wish that... I wish they could just I go wish on. the drug runners could have just kept well, running drugs, but like, seriously? They weren't killing anybody. Like, <laughs> I mean, you know what? And I, I don't even know what kind of drugs they were peddling. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I yeah. didn't look. Yeah. I should have. Because, hey, if it was weed, you fucking go sell that weed. <laughs> yeah, I know. You, I was going to be like, right I know ahead. I can't be like, oh, go sell meth to everybody. Because, like, yeah, that does kill people, of yes. course. Like, there are many, many drugs Don't that do kill hard people. drugs, guys. If you want to smoke a little doobie doobie here and, and there. And they're not promoting drug dealers. But no. Just but com- in comparison. In comparison to, to Ariel Castro, else, do drugs. <laughs> if you take anything away from this. Probably makes you want to do drugs. I want to do drugs now. <laughs> yeah. And not just, like, weed. Like, I need to go smoke something heavy. Like... <laughs> To just, like, forget about all of this. Yeah. So she's now about 18, um, and she was, like, seeing someone who she really liked, um, and she actually got pregnant with this boyfriend. Okay. Um, But it turns out he had also another girlfriend. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you. I know. She literally cannot catch a fucking break. Oh, yeah. I know. And she's just, like, you, you can see her in the documentaries and stuff and interviews, and she's just, like the sweetest human being this is what i mean by like whatever is in her dna we got to bottle that shit up we got to start injecting it into everybody because everyone needs to be as like strong and badass as her and Mm. still like kind and grounded yeah i could go on for years about her like jesus christ i don't even know yeah so you know confronted with you know the other girlfriend and stuff he ended up picking the other girlfriend and left Michelle on her own with the baby to be. Um, Michelle's father had actually like left when she was five months pregnant. So she didn't have her dad around anymore. I don't actually know the extent of her relationship with her dad. So yeah. I don't know if that was a necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. It was just to be noted. Yeah. Then on October 24th, 1999, Michelle gave birth to her, uh, her son, Joey. Okay. Joey goes on to be, like, the light of her life. Like, Mm -hmm. all of the fighting from this point on is for Joey, and she claims it every step of the way, that everything I did was for Joey so that I could just get back to him. Mm -hmm. So um, she moves in with mom, who has a new boyfriend now since her dad left. This boyfriend was an alcoholic. Never really a good thing mm-hmm. i know some people can be functioning alcoholics and it can be fine but like also alcohol- yeah there's lots of people that are alcoholics that are not terrible people yeah like that don't do bad things yes. is what i'm saying like they're harming themselves but yeah it- and and this guy doesn't necessarily sound like in comparison to ariel like the worst human being on earth but like he does some bad shit and mm-hmm. i will talk about that now mm-hmm. So one day, I think she had to go to work or go out to apply to some jobs or something along that line, but she left Joey with her mom to babysit. When she came back, her mom was not there, nowhere to be found, like just out somewhere, and it was just the boyfriend watching Joey. Uh, For whatever reason, Joey was like upset when she came in. Okay. Like it seemed like some kind of like issue had happened, so Michelle and the boyfriend had gotten to like an argument 
Mm-hmm. And then the boyfriend, I don't know exactly like the positioning of it, but he had taken Joey's leg and broke it. <gasps> oh. She says that she could hear it break. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So she took Joey to the ER because she's obviously a good mother and wanted the best care for her son. She lied and said that he had fallen. And she wasn't doing that to protect the boyfriend at all. It mm-hmm. was specifically so that they didn't question anything. Mm-hmm. Because when you come in to the ER with a kid mm-hmm. with like bruising or any mm-hmm. kind of bone breaks, their first question is, what did you do? Yeah. Do- she would have been blamed for it. She would have been. Yeah. So she did lie and with good reason. Yeah. I honestly, I probably would have done the same thing. Yeah, I don't. It, I, I, don't I don't blame yeah, her. I, yeah. What then happens is what kind of fucks things up is the boyfriend had actually called the ER, said that he had done it, apologized. I was drunk. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. But because they now know that this kid is in, quote unquote, an abusive home. Yeah. Which it is. The guy broke his leg. Yeah. Like, whether you're sorry or not, you still broke a child's leg. Yeah. That's that's inexcusable way over yeah you cross so many lines like yeah yeah so joey got taken away the hospital got involved and had placed him with social services yeah Mm. so michelle had now moved in with a cousin i believe her name was deanna um and deanna fought really hard to help michelle get joey back get her to appointments with social services she had to show up on time be diligent she had like supervised visits and she was doing everything she didn't have a car so she would there's notes of her having to walk sometimes for like three hours to get to wherever the social services person had said like this is where we're meeting today Mm -hmm. this is where you need to be or this is the foster house you need to show up at specifically at this time anytime she'd be late they would have to make note of it and it would count towards her being a quote-unquote bad mother which she's not she's literally just doing everything in her power possible to like care for her son who was just ripped out of her arms i know it's like it breaks my heart because it's like you took him away from like his one stable parent and put him in the system which is not going to be good for him no when he has someone who wants to take care of him and can take care of him she can. She just needs. She just needed a, break. a, a bit of help. She to literally like... just needed like one thing to yeah. go her way. Yeah. Like this happened while she was out applying for jobs to care for her son. Like she just hasn't had. She just hasn't had someone cut her a little bit of slack. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. So there's one day where she's supposed to be meeting the social worker, and it's like an extremely important meeting this is like the meeting of like do you get your son back or not Mm -hmm. like she's supposed to be proving that she's like stable in a good place has a job like so she had like things on the horizon where it was like this is a meeting she wouldn't miss Mm -hmm. this is an important meeting so she's out with deanna looking for the address and they're like relatively lost because they're like okay we can't find this place we've looked everywhere michelle's starting to get like really stressed Mm -hmm. um she was previously offered a ride to this meeting from social services, but because another family member was like, I'll drive you and Deanna there. She was like, I don't need the ride. Thank you. Like I have a family member taking us. Um, And then that family member backed out at the last second. Mm. So that's why her and Deanna were kind of like walking around, just trying to find it on their own because it was like too late. 
And she had called social services to say, like, I, I, I need that ride now. And they were like, well, like, it's too late now. Like, you said you'd have your own. We can't just, like, arrange that now. Yeah. So they said, just, like, get here and be on time. Um, so she's, like, lost, getting all flustered. She's like, you know what? It's fine, Deanna. Go, just go. I'll find it. Like, you don't need to be dragged into this. So Deanna left. I will maybe get back into her later. I can't remember if she comes back up again. But so she goes into the closest store, which is a dollar store nearest to her, and asks for directions. Castro, Ariel Castro, was at this dollar store, and he had overheard her asking for directions. So what I didn't mention was Deanna was friends with a woman named Emily Castro who had hung out with Michelle and Deanna together. Emily is one of Ariel's daughters. Okay. So Emily would like mention her father here and there like, oh, yeah, this is my dad. Like show her a picture or like answer the phone. Mm -hmm. Oh, my dad's calling. His name's Ariel kind of thing. Like so – before this, she didn't necessarily know Ariel, but she knew of him. Yeah. yeah. Through a friend, or mm-hmm. so she thought. Um, so Ariel overhears this, hears her like asking for directions and stuff. And, you know, Ariel like walks up and he's like, I think I can get you there. Like, I'm just driving over in that direction, anyways. Um, I'm Emily's dad. And she's like, Oh, yeah, okay. Like, I thought you looked and sounded familiar. Yeah. Um, I hadn't. She hadn't met him in person before, mm-hmm. but it was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I've seen your picture, whatever. So she's like, okay, come on in. Like, I'll, I'll take you over there. We'll go. So she gets in the car. And this is, like, similar to, like, the Paul and Carla thing where I want to stop and talk about how, like, okay, maybe not this precise thing. But, like, okay, for example, if I was at a store, lost, and I ran into your dad. Yeah. There wouldn't even be – there wouldn't even be a single red flag if your dad was just like, I'll drop you off. Yeah, of course. I'm it's, thinking in my head as you're telling me this. I'm like, she was probably thinking, oh, thank God. Like, and even, someone is here to help me. It's yeah. someone I know, kind of. Yeah. And he's going to drive me to this thing. And he's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I know where it is. I'll drop you off. So all my problems are solved in an instant. In an instant. Yes. And even to like – I know you don't know my dad super well, but like you've seen pictures of him. I talk about him. Yeah. And if he was like, hey, I know you – you're you're my daughter's friend like absolutely i'm this is me i'm not gonna say my dad's name but yeah you'd probably be like oh okay thank god like yeah you know yeah and there would be nothing weird about it like that should be it should be a normal scenario it should be yeah like still i might like i guess i guess it depends on the friend maybe i might be concerned but like again how would you know but there's yeah there's no there's way, no to, way there's of no knowing way because know. like even still the friend emily I, I don't know, but from all accounts, she could be a fantastic person. Mm-hmm. So there wouldn't be a red flag So there. you're like, oh, this really great girl that I know and I've hung out with a few times and yeah. it's her dad. So he's probably great too. Yeah. No, there's, there's – It's one of those things where like in that I, moment I'm you wouldn't know. I'm thinking of it and I would have done the same thing. Yeah. In that position. Yeah. So something we need to keep in mind is – oh, what is it? 2002? Um, I think this makes Michelle 21, I believe. Yeah, because you should, said she was born in 81. 21. Yeah. Um. Keep in mind her height and her appearance. She looks very young. Yeah. That yeah. comes up in the next part. So anyways, they get in the car and they're off for a drive. She recounts Ariel's car being absolutely disgusting and just like littered with garbage. Mm, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. She said that there was like McDonald's wrappers everywhere. And then like, oh. 
But then I was also kind of like, well, my car currently has McDonald's wrappers <laughs> everywhere. To say I'm like, man, okay, we've all been there. But like, but she, I don't she, know. I'm sure the car was more disgusting than oh, yeah. our cars are, you, Becky. You know. You know when you see those cars where you're like, whoa, and you like look in because they're so gross? I've, I've seen a few of those where I'm literally just like, I almost like want to just call the police just to come and be like, this is a health violation. <laughs> but so it was like that kind of a deal. Right. Um, And then she recounts saying like, oh, you're actually going the wrong way. Like the social services office, like it's supposed to be that way, like as per the dollar store person's instructions. Yeah. Because she was like, oh, I think it's just up the road and on the left. And then. Ariel went the other way. And he was like, oh, I actually, like, I have to get home for a second. We're just going to make a quick stop there because I have, like, some puppies at home that I need to feed. Like, they need to be fed before I can go anywhere else. Mm. She's like, oh, okay. Like, sure, I guess. Like, I guess I'm, so. it's I don't have too choice. late for me to turn this ride down. I'm already in this car kind of thing. Yeah. Um. So I guess they got to talking about, like, these puppies and everything. And she was just like, oh, like, I'm sure Joey would love to see a puppy, whatever. And I guess, like, Ariel had made a comment like, well, like, you could take one of them. Like, I'm trying to get rid of them and, like, sell them. So you could take one of Joey. Like, why don't you just, like, come on in and pick one out? And again, it kind of seems like it might be like normal. If I if I knew your parents and I knew for whatever reason they had puppies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. And I'd be like, okay, sh- sure. Yeah. Like I'm 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 only thinking from the practical side where I would be like, well, I can't take a puppy right now. Yeah. But, but like maybe I'll go get a crate ready, get some like. <laughs> yeah, I gotta have anything pads. ready. <laughs> also, like I'm trying to get my son back. Yeah, I don't have I can't him just show right up now. as a puppy. Yeah. Yeah. That would probably wouldn't look good in your social no, services it, it, it wouldn't. either where it's like you're not thinking ahead and yeah. you're not organized. But I also understand that, like, people fucking love puppies. Like, I get that. Like, Man, honestly, like, I'd get kidnapped in a heartbeat. I I also was like, I have a boatload of puppies over here. Like, okay, where are they? (laughs) I took 12. (laughs) In your trunk? I'll get inside. (laughs) (laughs) Like, so she goes inside and she's like, where are the puppies? And he's like, upstairs. Let's, like, they're in a room upstairs. There was a dog out front on a chain mm-hmm. and she's like well why aren't they like with the mother something you should know about puppies is usually when they're puppies they stay like almost side by side with their mother until yeah. they're like old enough to not be so she was just like shouldn't they like be with their mom <laughs> and he was like oh well like i had to leave her out to go to the bathroom so they're all upstairs still so she's starting to even be like okay, okay let's sure you're explaining that so. away i guess yeah. that works okay so they go upstairs and He's like, they're just in there and points into like a room. So she steps in and it's like all dark and he just closes the door behind her. And this is where we're going to stop for her story. Oh my God. And it gets fucking rough. Yeah. So where we will be jumping back in, I'm going to give you guys a pre-trigger warning. The first like, you know what? All of next episode's going to be rough as fuck. I was gonna be like I'm, the first little bit. I'm imagining so, yeah. It but... gets fucked. Uh yeah. Oh. It's like you can't even just the timing of it all, you know? Yeah. Where it's like you because I knew when you were saying that when you're like, this is a really important meeting for her that she would not have missed. No. And I'm like, is this gonna happen right now? And I just you Yeah. You yeah. can't make that shit up. No. It's that's it was a just very shit important luck. meeting. Yeah. yeah. It was like basically the the one of the final meetings for her to determine whether she could get her son back. 
she's already late and flustered and then this happens. And she had like that little bit of a silver lining of like, mm -hmm. I'm getting a ride. Mm -hmm. I'm almost there. And mm -hmm. then he took a right turn and it's like, okay, now I'm fucked. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like even in that moment before even getting locked into the room, I'd be like, I'm fucked. Yeah. I've already had a few strikes of being late because one day I had to walk three hours to get to the appointment. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's – and just how she pushes through, it's it's hard. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah. Well. And even now, it's it's like it's still – I haven't even gotten into the nitty-gritty. I know. And it's already rough. Like, it's already – I know. It's already really rough. He's already assaulted people. Like, he's already a shit-ass person. And, and, and then this. her backstory as well is it's like – It's just – You know this isn't even the worst part of her life yet. Yeah. Like or it hasn't been yet, yeah. And the, and and, and she, it's already been what for most people would say is the worst thing to ever happen, but it only gets worse. Yeah. I. You know what? I'm gonna leave it on one dark note. They were kept in captivity for about ten years, so it gets bad, guys. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So in total, Michelle was kept the longest she's first so that's what i mean by like her strength is like quite literally i i can't there's there isn't a stronger person out there mm -hmm. i don't i'd love to meet that person if they exist i don't think they do wow michelle is very well alive and well now but like she's she is like the epitome of survivor story all of these women are they all went through heinous heinous things it gets bad yeah okay okay it does end on a happy note though it will yeah it Guys, will you know what we gotta um we have to yeah what, what yeah what's the old saying i was just gonna say <laughs> what's that saying what's that old saying <laughs> what's that uh, i don't even gotta, know i don't know i don't fucking know <laughs> You gotta go through shit before you get the good stuff. That's our Basically, saying. Basically, that's it gets, so funny. I was gonna say you have to sit in shit. And you, I don't know you gotta why. shit in your own shit pot. Until you gotta it gets sit good. in your own shit yeah. before you can clean it up. <laughs> before you can clean it up, I think. Oh, it's darkest before the dawn. That's the saying. There we go. There we Not go. Not you shit in your own pot before. You, I don't know, but I don't know, man. Um, so okay, fuck. well we. Stay tuned, guys. If this is please don't leave us. You want to continue to listen if to this? Then is something you've decided to no longer listen to? We understand. <laughs> At least you have a choice. I don't. So no. you know, make your own decisions. That's right for you. Uh, but we'll we'll support we'll you either way. We'll see you next week with uh, with uh, the the rest. Well, the next part of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you okay? Yeah. Okay. For now. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. yeah so then i'll see all you guys in a group therapy next week um yeah maybe that will be our bonus episode yeah we just like hire a therapist to come and be like yeah you guys aren't okay <laughs> you should stop now you should stop this so on that note <laughs> sign up to be super cool and join our cult of extremely awesome people who for whatever reason love true crime <laughs> at www.patreon.com slash how to not get killed and if you ever want to chat and connect with us, you can send us an email to howtonotgetkilled at gmail.com. Or you can DM us or comment on our posts on Instagram at howtonotgetkilled. And you can follow us on Twitter at h2ngk. And you can also check out our website and shop our merch at 
www.howtonotgetkilled.com. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening, guys. And thank you for continuing to listen to part two and th- part three so that I don't do all this horrifying research for no reason. Okay, okay. keep it sleazy. Yeah, and I can't be alone in this. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. Okay, bye. Thank you. <laughs>